Welcome to a bonus episode of the Cumberland River Compact's River Talks podcast. In each episode of River Talks, we explore a new topic related to the health, enjoyment, and protection of the Cumberland River Basin's water, people, and special places. In these bonus episodes, we take a quick look at a new topic or share a fun story from our region. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of every new episode. On December 2nd, 2020, the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, celebrated its 50th anniversary. In this bonus episode, we hear from Paul Davis on the challenges, vision, and leadership that launched the EPA. Paul Davis is a member of the Cumberland River Compact's Board of Directors, and his career was with Tennessee's Water Pollution Control Agency, where he was state director for 24 years. Since leaving government service, Paul teaches classes on Clean Water Act programs through the National Stormwater Center. A half century ago, our nation was in the grips of an unpopular war in Vietnam, trying to navigate new social norms and struggling to fulfill the historic promises of the Civil Rights Act. No less momentous was the growing awareness that our nation's lands, air, and water were in sad condition. Rachel Carson's epic, Silent Spring, warned that as we poison nature with pesticides, she poisons us back. Off the coast of Santa Barbara, a blowout in Union Oil's well field produced what was at the time the largest release of oil to waters in this nation's history. Color video of oil-soaked seabirds streamed into living rooms across the country. In Ohio, floating oil and woody debris on the Cuyahoga River were ignited by sparks from a nearby railroad. Time magazine launched its new environment section with file photos of the river and the wry caption, if you fall in, you don't drown, you decay. Exactly 10 months after the Cuyahoga caught fire, on April 22, 1970, the first Earth Day was celebrated. An estimated 20 million people one-tenth of the country's population at that time took part. Just a week after Earth Day, and in his second year in office, President Richard M. Nixon submitted to Congress a list of recommendations for organizing environmental and other functions within the executive branch. His authority to do so came from something called the Reorganization Act. That authority expired in 1984. Originally known as the Economy Act, It was created during the Great Depression. The Reorganization Act allowed the president to assess efficiencies and economies within the executive branch and recommend changes for congressional approval. These changes would automatically take effect in 60 days, barring resolutions of disapproval from both chambers. Nixon had appointed the President's Advisory Council on Executive Organization, PACEO, on April 15, 1969. Commonly known as the Ash Council for its chairman, industrialist Roy Ash, the council included Texas Governor John Conley, who was riding in the car with President Kennedy when he was assassinated, Fred Kappel, chairman of AT&T, George Baker, dean of the Harvard Business School, Richard Paget, who helped organize the U.S. Navy, and Walter Thayer, a New York lawyer, investment official, and president of the International Herald Tribune, a globally distributed newspaper later acquired by the New York Times. The council's work product was delivered to Richard Nixon in 14 installments. 
The eighth of these, dated April 29, 1970, was titled Federal Organization for Environmental Protection. Often called the Ash Memo, the document began with this simple but groundbreaking summary. The President's Advisory Council on Executive Organization recommends that key anti-pollution programs be merged into an Environmental Protection Administration, a new independent agency of the executive branch. Addressing the President directly, the memo continued, in your February 10 environmental message, you pledged yourself to repair the damage already done and to establish new criteria to guide us in the future. The Environmental Protection Administration will be the principal instrument for the fulfillment of that pledge. And in a paragraph headed, Inadequacy of Present Organization, the Council offered this blunt assessment. Our national government is neither structured nor oriented to sustain a well-articulated attack on the practices which debase the air we breathe, the water we drink, and the land that grows our food. Indeed, the present departmental structure for dealing with environmental protection defies effective and concerted action. On July 9, 1970, having reviewed the recommendations contained in the Ash Memo, President Nixon transmitted to Congress his final proposal, formalized as Reorganization Plan Number 3 of 1970, along with a sort of extended cover letter titled Special Message from the President to the Congress about reorganization plans to establish the Environmental Protection Agency and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. For practical reasons, plans for NOAA were included in the same reorganization document. In preparing the special message, the President followed most of the Ash Council's recommendations with two exceptions. One was fairly minor. Where Ash's group had proposed an Environmental Protection Administration, Nixon chose the term agency. The other difference, far more substantive, had to do with the role of the new EPA relative to the existing Council on Environmental Quality. The CEQ had been established January 1, 1970, as part of the National Environmental Policy Act. Ash and his team had proposed that CEQ be absorbed into the new EPA, but Nixon decided otherwise. While EPA would assist the CEQ in developing and recommending to the president new policies for the protection of the environment, the two organizations would remain separate. As the president saw it, the council on environmental quality focuses on what our broad policies in environmental fields should be. The EPA would focus on setting and enforcing pollution control standards. The two are not competing, but complementary, and taken together they should give us, for the first time, the means to mount an effectively coordinated campaign against environmental degradation in all of its many forms. Richard Nixon was not, as a matter of principle, a fan of large federal bureaucracies. So it's all the more remarkable that after considering the recommendations and rationales of the Ash Council, he felt that environmental quality warranted not just one, but two independent agencies. Though the recommendations had been finalized, EPA was not officially established until December 2, 1970. 
That was the day the agency's first administrator, 38-year-old William Ruckelshaus, was unanimously confirmed by the Senate following two days of hearings before the Public Works Committee, where he had also been unanimously endorsed. A mild-mannered Indianapolis attorney with degrees from Princeton and Harvard, Ruckelshaus was a moderate Republican who had served as counsel to Indiana's Stream Pollution Control Board and helped draft the Indiana Air Pollution Control Act of 1961 before joining the U.S. Justice Department in 1969. His commitment to enforcement had drawn praise from legislators. Senator Jennings Randolph, Democrat of West Virginia, Chairman of the Public Works Committee, said the nominee made an excellent impression. Senator Edmund S. Muskie, Democrat from Maine, told him, I hope you become Mr. Clean. Committee members seemed particularly impressed when Ruckelshaus said he would lead an anti-pollution campaign as forceful as the laws provide, according to the New York Times. They seemed pleased to hear Mr. Ruckelshaus say that he thought the states, which are often reluctant to crack down because they are competing for industry, would enforce the law more aggressively if a strong federal presence was behind them. As the Times noted, Ruckelshaus had a big task before him. He would oversee the consolidation of some 15 organizations with about 5,800 employees and budgets totaling $81.4 billion. The agency would take over water pollution responsibilities from the Department of Interior, air pollution and solid waste responsibilities from the Department of Health, Education and Welfare, registration of pesticides from the Department of Agriculture, setting environmental radiation levels from the Federal Radiation Council, and enforcement of those levels from the Atomic Energy Commission. But Ruckelshaus seemed eager for the challenge. As he told a reporter a few days before hearings began, I'm optimistic that man can reverse what his stupidity has caused. Otherwise, he said, I wouldn't have taken this job. And so, with the recommendation of the president, the endorsement of the Senate, the apparent goodwill of the press and public, and the optimism of a skilled and principled director, the new agency was off to a good start. We honor EPA and the thousands of men and women who have served with that agency over the past 50 years. They, along with countless federal, state, and local government partners, have much to be proud of, and we, as citizens, have much to be grateful for. Thanks for tuning in for this bonus episode of River Talks. If you'd like to learn more about the 50th anniversary of the EPA or read the written article from Paul, please visit our blog at cumberlandrivercompact.org blog. Thanks to the supporters of the Cumberland River Compact who help bring our podcast to listeners. Your support of our work goes a long way. From neighborhoods to farms, we are working to address the root causes of water quality issues in positive and innovative ways. Consider a donation today to help support the future of water. More information is available at cumberlandrivercompact.org slash donate.